to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we have a special guest for you, Joe Sanog. And he's also a keynote and TEDx speaker, business consultant, and podcaster. So we're extremely, extremely lucky to have him here on our show today, sharing about his new book that's coming out Thursday is a new Friday, and his experiences on how we can maximize our time as W-2 workers and as entrepreneurs. So welcome to the show, Joe. How are you doing? Eileen, I am so excited to be here with you today. So Joe, I'd love to share, if you can share with our listeners a little bit more about your background. You know, How did you come up with how did your mindset change a little bit about how we look at time and, you know, like your book, the Thursday is new Friday. Um, how did that all come about? Yeah. You know, I had a really traditional upbringing and college experience, got my double master's degrees in counseling and psychology, then started working at nonprofit organizations and other community organizations. And finally got a full-time job that was at the community college. It was, you know, the highest paying counseling job in the area. So really the job that I really wanted. And I had a side counseling business where I was growing that to pay off student loan debt. And then I just kept hiring clinicians and realized very quickly I had zero business skills. So started reading books and started a podcast in 2012, just talking about what I was learning, how I was learning, what I was doing. And actually through that time, also one thing that applies to your audience is became a real estate investor, started investing in Airbnb properties here in Northern Michigan as another multiple stream of income. And so then in 2015, ended up leaving that full-time job, which was a tough decision because it wasn't one of those terrible corporate jobs that you hear people have. It was an amazing job. I had autonomy. My boss was supportive. So it was going from good to potentially great instead of just, I hate this job. But for me, the central question when I was leaving was, would I rather stay here in this full-time safe job and never know what I have inside of me? Or would I rather really jump and see what I have inside of me and potentially fail? And for me, that jump really was what I needed to do at the time. Uh, And so that first summer after I left in 2015, I did my first major time experiment where I said, I'm entirely in charge of my own time now. I want to take Fridays off and just see how that goes. And so did an experiment for the summer and every month was financially better than the month before. By the time I got to September of that year, I said, this short-term experiment is going to be how I continue to live. And in a lot of ways, that was a return home. I mean, I remember in college, I always had a four-day work week in regards to my classes, except for one semester, I had a Friday class that was mandatory. And so that idea of going back to what really felt healthy for me uh, was what I started with for myself. But then over time, really started to um, work with consulting clients, and I have a membership community, and uh, we have a number of mastermind groups, and teaching them how to really use time as a way to focus in on your single best use of your energy. Um, And seeing how over and over when people slowed down, when they had these three-day weekend plus, they were doing the best work that they could be doing and they were outsourcing everything else or eliminating everything else and just getting to a next level so much faster, even though they were working fewer hours. So it's really been kind of manifesting in my own life, then applying it to my clients and then now taking it to the broader public. Oh yeah. Especially, you know, nowadays I think especially through the pandemic that we went through, I think a lot of people have started to realize how precious time is and how we're able to save a lot of times and utilize it for 
things that we typically wouldn't have before this global pandemic had happened. So we really definitely appreciate it a lot more now today. The concept that you're thinking or the concept that you discuss in your book is utilizing Thursday as your new Friday, going to a three-day weekend. You know, a lot of times people take a look at that, they think about it and they're like, well, that's a great concept, but it goes against everything that we're typically taught, what we're used to, what society is used to. And the biggest thing I think is really kind of embracing change, looking at that and like stepping up to it. So how do you change your mindset around that concept? Yeah. You know, when I started writing the book, um, one thing I didn't have in the proposal, but that I really wanted to look into is why do we believe what we believe? So, I mean, you tap into it right there and saying, you know, it feels like this is a big change that you know this is how it is. And I really wanted to dive in and say like, is this how it's been? Like, how long have we had a 40 hour work week? Like, where did even this concept of how we view time come from? And if you go back about 4,000 years to the Babylonians, they just made up the seven day week. They literally just looked up in the sky and they saw the sun and the moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter. And then they looked down and they saw the earth and they said, we should have a seven day week. It was completely random. We just as easily could have had a five-day week that went 73 weeks in a year. It doesn't make sense in nature. I mean, the earth goes around the sun, that's a year. There's spins, that's a day. But there's nothing in nature that points to seven days. The Romans had a 10-day week. The Egyptians had an eight-day week. So we just start with even the week, which seems unchangeable, literally was just made up. And then we fast forward to the 1800s and early 1900s. And how were people working then? Well, the average person was working 10 to 14 hours a day, six to seven days a week. So they had a farmer's schedule, even if they weren't a farmer. I mean, a terrible amount of work that they were doing. And then in 1926, Henry Ford institutes the 40-hour work week at Ford to sell more Ford cars to Ford employees. It literally was so they would buy more cars. And his idea was that people are not going to buy a car to get to work faster. But if they have a weekend, if they have something fun to do, if they can go recreate, they'll have a car so that they can do more. And it worked. So less than 100 years ago, again, we made it up. The 40-hour work week was completely made up. So fast forward to the pandemic of 2020, we have this global experiment where we all say to ourselves, why do we work this way? Uh, it's really the undoing of the industrialist mindset. And the industrialists, they were a big step at the time to go from 10 to 14 hours a day, six to seven days a week to 40 hours. That's awesome. That's a huge step for the evolution of people, of business, of productivity, of creativity, huge step that was very much needed. And we've also outgrown that. Uh, the industrialists wanted us to think of people as machines, as an assembly line. Uh, we don't think that way about people anymore. And so the 40-hour work week is actually one of the last vestiges that the industrialists gave us. And so now as the post-pandemic generation, we get to say, do we want to go back to what the industrialists taught us? Do we think like this white guy from Detroit in 1926, or do we think that maybe there's a little diversity in the world? Maybe there's a little changes in thoughts. Things might be a little farther ahead than 1926. And so we, as that generation get to push back and say, we don't want to go back to the way that it was. It's unhealthy. It was too stressful. It wasn't good for families, productivity, creativity, or health outcomes. And so we get to say, how are we going to reinvent society now moving forward? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for that background also, because it really puts into perspective the 40 hour work week. And we don't, that's something that us humans have put on ourselves and Times have changed now, and you know we need to reevaluate and look at it. And does it really make sense going forward? 
And so, you know, some people might be looking at it and well, and they are looking at the four day work week and they're like, well, now I'm losing one day. Am I going to be losing productivity? Is that going to go down? What am I going to be doing for the three days that I have off now? And how do I maximize the usage of my time? Yeah. So I think that's a common myth that if we take this five day week and we drop 20% of it, so drop Friday, we're going to see a 20% drop in productivity, 20% drop in profits. Um, It's just not true. So, I mean, if we just think about intuitively what we know, would you say that Monday is as productive as Friday? No, we're thinking about the weekend. Uh, We might have a baby shower or wedding shower at the office. We do some cheesy team building activity. It's a half worked day already. Um, Also, what happens is Parkinson's law teaches us that work expands to the time given. And so if you have a four day week, say you have 20 different tasks in that week that you're supposed to get done. And then instead of 20, you get 15 done. Well, what does that tell you about those five that you dropped the ball on? Well, you're not going to work on your worst 15 things. You're going to work on your best 15 things. And so you're dropping the ball on the things that you just, you know, shouldn't have been doing anyway. So, you know, if you're in real estate, it's working on your top 15 deals. You're working on your connections, you're networking. Maybe you're producing content for your potential customers. You're reaching out to your highest end customers instead of just all of them. And so then you start to have your best use of time, highly focused on those 15 tasks instead of all 20. Uh, Because if you're dropping the ball in particular areas, that gives you information of areas that you should be outsourcing, eliminating, maybe automating through some different softwares as a service. So then instead of just doing this 20 tasks a week, you're doing the best 15 of your week over and over and over. So that's going to help you leverage up faster and actually move forward faster than if you were just burning yourself out all week long. And so what if somebody's looking at it and they're like, well, now I have four, four days to work and I have the 20 tasks that I feel like I need to complete. Now I'm burning the midnight oil to try to get all those complete instead of like just dropping the ball on them. Yeah. And I, I think that's where we oftentimes see all tasks as being of equal importance. And so allowing in ourselves to notice the muscle of letting things go is maybe not as developed. And that part of that leveling up is figuring out what are the single best uses of my time. Um, And so for a lot of people, if you're starting with the stress of the week, instead of with the slowing down, it just feels like I just got to do it all. I got to do it all. It's kind of like a manic way of entering into our week. Whereas if we actually enter into our weekends and say, how do I make this weekend best for me internally, but then also best for me for my next work week? That's a much different intentional way of starting. And so one small task that I recommend people do is whatever the next weekend is, whenever you're listening to this, add one thing and subtract one thing. So what do I mean by that? I mean, add one thing into your weekend that you know is going to give you more life than maybe you typically add to your weekend. So that could be hey, I've got this book that's been on my nightstand for months and I've wanted to read it and I know it's going to make me happy and my friends are all talking about it. And I just want to spend two hours on Saturday just reading this book guilt-free. Or maybe it's going for a hike or you know, meeting up with a friend that you've, you know, every time you see him, you're like, yeah, we should get together, but you never get together. And you know that person just makes you come alive. Add one thing to your weekend that's going to help you see a better way of living. And then I would say, remove one thing. So for example, maybe Saturday morning, you have scheduled to meet with a friend and every time you leave having coffee with that person, you feel like trash. They're just like a toxic friend. Like I give you permission to cancel that date. Maybe you're thinking about mowing your lawn and you think, man, I just don't want to mow my lawn this weekend. Hire the neighbor kid for 30 bucks to have them mow your lawn. Or you know, maybe the idea of spending half a Sunday going and getting groceries and then coming home, forget that. 
Maybe it's worth the 20 extra dollars that you pay Instacart to get those groceries. And what we're doing is we're starting to experiment. We're not saying that for the rest of your life, you're going to order your groceries or the rest of your life, you're going to outsource your mowing or not do certain things, but you're starting to see, okay, when I add this, did I feel much better going to that next week? When I removed this, did I feel much better? And some things you're going to say, no, like I actually realized I liked mowing the lawn. It was a mindful activity. It was a time to peace out and not think I'm going to go back to mowing my lawn. Okay, great. We learned that about you because the industrialists, they taught us that here's the prescription. Here's the five-step formula for productivity. You do it or you don't. Everyone's in or everyone's out. Whereas the new way of thinking is to have a menu-based option where we say, let's do some experiments. Let's see what works for you as a unique person, for me as a unique person. And the things that are going to light me up on the weekend are probably going to be different than for you. But we're not doing this as a pass-fail thing or a prescription model. We're saying, let's experiment and figure out ourselves enough to be thinking individuals to level up differently. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Yeah, I think that's a really important concept because you're looking for ways on the weekend to recharge yourself, to really fill your cup so that you're prepared mentally and you're not going through that burnout stage as you're going through the rest of the week. And you're really, like you said, you're experimenting on what you like and what you dislike, and you're not trying to cram everything in all at one time. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I mean, I probably most of us feel like being an adult is way harder than we thought it was going to (laughs) be. And and to just step back and say, okay, what is truest to me? So I have a seven-year-old and 10-year-old, two girls. Um, I could try to keep up with everyone and have them in soccer and have them in music and have them in dance. And we could be running ragged all week long. But what is that teaching my daughters? They are what they do. Is that a a lesson that I want to teach them? Or do I want to teach them that first you as a woman get to listen to your body and you get to be in charge of your body and you get to choose who touches your body. Okay. That's the kind of thing that I want to start with. So my daughters, like if they don't want a hug, I don't make them give me a hug. If they say I'm feeling tired and I want to skip swim practice, we might talk about that and say, well, but these other people are expecting you to go. And then they say, no, my body really feels like I just need to play at home and be outside a little bit. Okay. I want to affirm that. And so being able to start with what are the core values that I have? And then let's make sure that my schedule aligns with that and that I'm focusing on that personally and then not just trying to keep up with everybody else. Yeah. And so how about for the entrepreneurs out there who are also trying to balance work, life, family, You know, how do they differentiate between all that? Because they don't really have a set schedule that they're working to really. Yeah. I think for entrepreneurs in particular, their unique problem is usually they have too many ideas and they don't know what to do with it or when to do anything with it. And so they're playing with their kids and they have all these blog post ideas or ways that they could do marketing and they're present, but they're not present. 
And so figuring out first, how do you capture good ideas quickly so that you can come back to them at an appropriate time? And so we don't want those ideas to just disappear, but we also don't want you when you're hanging out with your family to say, sorry, I got to go write a blog post or sorry, I got to go you know, write down this big idea. We want to be able to capture that. Second, we want to really look at what are some hard boundaries and some soft boundaries for you. So for example, I wrote a book about why you shouldn't work on Friday. So if you, Eileen said, Hey, Joe, I really want to work with you in a consulting relationship. The only day I'm free is on Fridays. I would always say no. I would say, sorry, I don't work on Fridays. I wrote the book about why you shouldn't. Like, I can't just like take a consulting client on a Friday. But if my director of details, Jess, if she said, Joe, practice of the practice is on fire. The business is going down. All this stuff is happening. I'm not going to say to her on a Friday morning, sorry, just let it burn until Monday and then I'll check in on it. I'm going to help put out the fire, but then we're going to reverse engineer it and say, why was I the only one that could help with that fire? What information do you need or do other people on the team need? How do we have some safeguards to make sure that these sort of things don't happen? So you know, maybe something was posted online that you know a bunch of people didn't like. How, we need some checks and balances to make sure things that are put online aren't going to rub people the wrong way. And so then reverse engineering those fires. And so having hard boundaries of what do you do always and never? And when is there some flexibility? So for example, every Wednesday, I'm part of an improv troupe. And I have found that by being in improv, I laugh harder during that hour and a half than I do the entire rest of the week. I forget about any of the problems of my world. And I just laugh with these other funny people. That's a non-negotiable. That's a hard boundary that I've scheduled in because I know that it lights me up just as a person. There's no business outcome, even though it may help my business. There's no happiness outcome. I am happier, but I'm not doing it for the outcome. And so I have childcare set up for every Wednesday. I show up on time. I know exactly what Wednesdays are going to be for my improv. And so that's a hard boundary that I'm setting around my personal time. So entrepreneurs, if they're just left to their own devices, oftentimes, you know, the kids are in bed, they do more email. They find all these little times that they're going to do it rather than intentionally saying, when am I actually going to work? And when can I say, I'm going to bookend this and say, I'm done for the day to have a clear time that you're finished and you have other things that you're going to work on. So when you had this mindset shift and you came up with the concept that Thursday is a new Friday and you're really protective of your time and where you're spending it, how much of an impact has it had on you, your family and your business? Oh yeah. I mean, the business has gone through the roof because I'm only working on the best use of my time. So for my family, for my girls, I can then hang out with them in a different way. So during the pandemic in September of 2020, I purchased a pull behind trailer and we went and lived in the national parks for nine months. And so to be able to do this, I had set up automations. I had set up systems. I had done things so that the business grew and expanded outside of my own time. Uh, but I showed up for the very best use of my time. The business couldn't just run on its own. It needed me to kind of check in on certain systems. And so by doing this, by saying, what's the single best use of my time? Everyone on the team knows like when Joe's present, we're getting things done. We're not going to dilly dally. We're not going to just chit chat for half an hour. Joe's showing up for 15 minutes. The team needs to be on their game. Let's go. And then when we're done, we're done. Now I can always choose to socialize with the team at a different time, but I'm not going to do that in the middle of the work time. And so to just have that focus of if we're in a meeting, we need to make sure this meeting is as 100% effective as it can be so that we get the information we need. We come prepped with the information we need. We have the clear outcomes and actions, and then we move on. And so 
the team then is more efficient and happier because they just get things done. And every single minute that I waste in my business, that's a minute that I'm stealing from my kids, that I'm stealing from my friends, that I'm stealing from myself. Because if in a day I waste 10 minutes and I could have been done 10 minutes earlier, well, that's a 10 minute meditation I could do before I go pick my kids up from school. And then that would have made me a more grounded father or a happier dad or just de-stressed. So even right before this, you know, someone no-showed that was going to be interviewing me. And, you know, I sent you a text and said, Hey, you want to meet early? So we could have just done a 15-minute interview and I could have moved on, but we're going to do a longer interview. But that then provides more value to your audience. It's then effectively using that time as, as much as I have the power to have it be. Yeah. And definitely appreciate the extra time, Joe. <laughs> and so also in your book, something that you mentioned and you talk about one of the different concepts is the three internal inclinations. Can you talk a little bit about that and what does it mean and how does it apply to us? Yeah. So the research is showing that there's three major internal inclinations that top performers have. And these are things that it's not pass fails. Not like if you don't have it, that you're not a good leader. It just means here's some skills, here's some ways that you can develop it. We walk through, there's a whole assessment that readers get to go through to look at what's their baseline of where they're at with these three. So the first one is curiosity. The second one is an outsider perspective. And the third one is an ability to move on it. So curiosity, like if we just think about how are we typically taught about curiosity? I mean, we're told curiosity killed the cat. What a terrible thing that we teach our kids. Like if you're curious, you're going to die. Like I actually looked into where that came from. In 1910, the front page of the Washington Post said curiosity killed the cat. And there's this cat that had got stuck in a chimney. It made national news for the week. So it was a slow news week. And front page, they end up finding that the cat had died in the chimney. So that's a terrible thing for us to teach our kids and to teach ourselves. But we actually find that leaders that are curious are the ones that are most effective. The ones that say, well, that's really interesting. So maybe they did a Facebook ads campaign and they spent thousands of dollars and it was a total flop. Okay. Some people might see that as a failure and that you, know, you really screwed up this time, but effective leaders say, that's interesting. What did we learn about our audience of what they don't want? What did we learn about copy or images that just doesn't work? So having that curiosity helps us actually do more within the business world. The second one of being an outsider, statistically, we know that someone who's an outsider has more influence on the inside group. And so, I mean, you look at people like Albert Einstein or Elon Musk, who changed cultures or moved to new countries, that outsider actually has new eyes that gives them a superpower that's so much different than the people that are the insiders. There's actually a research study um, called the color study where they brought together like eight people and they would hold up a color, either blue or green. And they say, is this blue or is this green? And, you know, the group would say that's green, that's blue. Some were kind of in the middle. They might've disagreed a little bit, but then in the second part of the study, same size group, but they bring in two people within it that are researchers. And those researchers, sometimes when the blue was a green or the green was a blue would say the opposite. And they had undue influence over the group where one of these researchers would say that's blue when it was clearly green and other people from the group would say, oh yeah, I guess that is blue. And over and over, they've replicated this type of study to show that outsiders actually statistically have more influence than they should within a group. And then the third one is an ability to move on it. You know, so often there's kind of opposition between speed and accuracy, where on one side, you know, we have the accuracy, the perfection. On the other side, we have speed and often imperfections. You know, there are times in life that we definitely want to have accuracy. Like if I have surgery, I want my doctor, I want her to take as much time as she needs to be accurate. But in most of what we do in business and life, speed is going to give us so much more information when we're not paralyzed by perfection. So top leaders 
move on it, even if they don't feel ready to move on it. Oh, thank you so much for that, Joe. I really appreciate it. And also, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show today and and spending the extra time with us. Definitely gained a great ton of insight on you and how your book is coming along and how we can, you know, change the way we're thinking a little bit, especially in this new time going forward. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited about Thursday is the new Friday. It's available everywhere. So on Amazon, your local bookstore, uh, we're actually doing a special thing throughout October, where if people sign up and they purchase 10 books, they get to be part of our live mastermind class where we're going to be implementing Thursday is the new Friday, doing hot seats with people, but then even more importantly, connecting people with other influencers. We've got some huge podcasters that are going to be a part of that community. And so if people buy 10 of the books and then they just submit their receipt over at thursdayisthenewfriday.com, they get to be a part of that mastermind group. And so that's going to be uh, six Thursdays that we meet together to be able to chat through making Thursday the new Friday. Awesome. And is there anywhere else, Joe, that they can find out and learn out more about you? Yeah. JoeSanok.com is where all of my writing and keynote information is. We also have people submitting experiments there. So if they're doing a four-day workweek experiment, we want to learn from you and we're going to be sharing that publicly. So there's a section that they can submit their experiments to. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Joe. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.